0: Good morning church. Good morning church. <laughs> this is the day that the Lord has made, and we will we will rejoice and be glad in it. And I know I say that every week, but I'm a little bit extra excited today. Uh, because uh, I looked over to my right and saw my two little nieces. not not little, my nieces who were here and I said, "How did you get here? You ain't driving yet?" And I looked back and saw my brother Mike and his wife Darlene and my mom. My mom, can y'all give it up for my family? Today, I tell you, the pollen got really thick in the air <laughs> as I saw them here. So I just, I just wanted to acknowledge them now and uh, try to focus here for a minute. But God is good, anyhow. Any mom? Yes, He is. Yes, He is. My name is Paul. For those who I've not met, and I am privileged to serve as pastor of this congregation. It is so good to see every single one of you today. Those of you live streaming, thank you for joining us. Thank you for choosing to spend an hour of your time in worship today after the late night of watching UVA football. And we can, yeah, right? And y'all live streaming, thank you for, no, <laughs> for being with us uh, this morning. Really, we're grateful that you choose every week to spend your, your time and worship with us. And can we give it up for the volunteers every week who serve as unto the Lord? Every single week. And I hope that you are clapping for you, too, because there's room for you. We serve together. We build relationally, substantively together while accomplishing, yes, very important tasks that allow us as a church, meaning you and me, to do what we do each week. Um, I want to give a, a special shout out and echo to Joseph's announcement for the uh, small group leaders. We We had... January when we launched January 6th, we thought, you know what, let's launch not just weekly services, but let's launch some some victory groups as well. And wouldn't you know, we started with six groups. I mean, grateful to God that we were able to get six groups off the ground. Folks were meeting in the city, outside of the city. I ran one of those groups, and now I decided, you know what, I'm not going to run a group. I'm going to spend more time intentionally uh, spending time with the, all of our small group leaders and all of the team coordinators. And still we have today 10 groups, 10 groups. <laughs> and so I wanted to highlight each one individually. Uh, if I can, I might have to step out here to do that. Just so y'all know who is going to be leading these groups. So first, Jen and Jeff Snook, who are going to be leading on Avon Street Extended. Let me give it up for Jen and Jeff. We can do it for all of them. Then we have uh, Joanne Boyle and Nagoti, who are going to be leading on Thursdays at 6 in Brookwood. We have Mary and Joe Coleman, who are back there leading on Tuesday nights in Rutgersville. They're going to have men together and then women together and childcare will be available because you'll be able to switch men and women to take care of the children when the men, you get what I'm saying, they're going to work that thing out. So the whole family can go and enjoy. Next we have Mary Boyle who's going to be meeting in Johnson Village, the young adult group at 715 on Wednesdays. Then we have uh, Michelle Johnson and the whole. She's got a squad, y'all. I don't know how many are on your team, Michelle, but I have your picture up. But I know you've got a whole team that's going to be working with you over in Prospect. We believe in the next generation in Prospect. That community has a bunch of brilliant minds with potential yet to be tapped. And so we're there to help them tap that in Jesus' name. Tuesdays at 7. Olivia Morley over at Panera on Barracks, Thursday mornings at 7. And then we've got the Taylor family, along with the Kid family, who are going to be leading together on Pantops, Wednesdays from 6.15 to 7.30 p.m. <laughs> Troy and Chantel Savage, who led one of the six groups I referenced in January, they'll be doing it again up Hollymead. Uh, Troy also leads the uh, prayer team here, and you saw Chantel up here helping us uh, be led in worship this morning, so they'll be in Hollywood. Hollywood. Hollymead. <laughs> I got distracted by Hollymead Lakes. That's my error, not theirs. Hollymead slash Forest Lakes. Uh, <clears throat> Caleb and Tori said, hey, we're in. We'll figure it out. TBD, but we're in. So go talk to them. They live up in Barbersville. And I think that might wrap it up. Do we have any other? Oh, of course we do. Willie and Frankie going to be on ground for all y'all students. Where are you at? <laughs> Willie and Frankie uh, will be leading. Again, they're figuring out what day and time much of it will be kind of figured out around student schedules and where, you know, what time do the teams practice and all of that, but they will be on grounds and there are more to come, but today at least you have these 10. Please go say hello, find out what the group will look like, uh, and eat a duck donut. Can we do that? All right. Anybody excited about that or was it just me? Yeah, I'm excited. When I think about the vision to see people reconcile to God and each other, I think I need to participate in that process. Because the last I remember, and this isn't the text, but it's always the text. The gospel is always the text. Reconciliation took time. It was messy, and there was death. You know what happens in groups? Death. Death of us so that we can live through him. So I'm very excited, and we preach it every week, even though it's a different text. That's who we are, and that's who God's calling us to be as we move forward. Amen? Turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 119. We're going to look at verses 49 through 56. Psalm 119, verses 49 through 56. As you find that, we've been in a series, as you know, uh, entitled, or maybe you don't, uh, entitled, Who's Next? We're thinking about the next generation, how we pass on the baton of faith to them. So, the first Sunday of this month, we kind of took advice. We used the analogy of the flight attendants when they say on planes, in the unlikely event of a decrease in cabin pressure, oxygen mass will fall from the panel above. Take it for you first and put it on someone else. And we use that as an analogy uh, to discuss how we first need to recognize that he's more than enough for us. And out of that place, we can then communicate the gospel to those after us. Last week, we moved on and talked about some more practical steps of how we go about passing the baton of faith to the next generation. So we talked about communication, we talked about connection, and we talked about conviction. And today we're going to emphasize kind of extending in some ways the first Sunday's message, acknowledging the very real dynamics in life that attempt to snatch our hope. So we know how we might go about passing the baton. We know, at least I pray, we know he's more than enough. And yet, the constant barrage of Dynamics of life, happenings that could thwart and snatch if we're not careful. The hope that we believe is worth happening. And so our prayer today is that we reinforce for us and encourage us to embrace the hope that is worth having, no matter what life's dynamics are. And as we open up the Word of God, let's pray first. God, thank you for this opportunity that we get to share your Word. We get to have this conversation with each other, with you, about what your word has for us today, for our lives in this season. We believe your word is active. (laughs) It's living. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And when it goes out, it doesn't return void. So I pray that you would speak, Holy Spirit, and not me, because it's when you speak that it doesn't return void. I want to be removed so that you can be front and center to say to me and all of us in the room through your word how you want us to apply your word to our lives so that we can walk more uprightly before you, take the next step of obedience in this process called sanctification. Open up our eyes to see all that's here in the law, as Psalm 119 and 18 says. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we do uh, together, I'd love for you to join me in either reading on the screen or your device or your hard copy Bible. Psalm 119, beginning at verse 49, looking at that verse all the way through verse 56. Remember your word to your servant, in which you have made me hope. This is my comfort in my distress, that your promise gives me life. The arrogant utterly deride me, but I do not turn away from your law. When I think of your ordinances from of old, I take comfort, O Lord. Hot indignation seizes me because of the wicked, those who forsake your law. Your statutes have been my songs wherever I make my home. I remember your name in the, light, in the night, O Lord, and keep your law. This blessing has fallen to me, for I have kept your precepts. Psalm 119, verses 49 through 56. I like to title the sermon, uh, as you heard me reference in my introductory comments already, Hope Worth Having hope worth having. Um, Thursday night, where's Taylor? She stepped out for a second. Uh, Thursday night, she probably needs a nap because I had her all over the place for the last few days. Thursday night, we drove about 373 miles to my hometown of Long Island. During the night, yes, with our eight-year-old and our seven-year-old and our three-year-old, so I am living proof that prayer works. (laughs) I said, we're going to drive at night and give us the best shot. And we did. And we got there. We had two days um, visiting friends on Long Island, visiting friends in the Bronx, um, taking them all over the place. I mean, at one point, my friends were sharing some stories and they were just going way back. And every time another story came up, I started thinking to myself, I didn't think this trip through (laughs) all the way. Taylor's sitting there saying, tell me more about Paul. Uh, Friends from second grade, kindergarten, y'all, like just hadn't seen him in 20 years kidding about that, obviously, but it was an important time. <laughs> it was an Im- I love to see her face now. I don't know how she took it all in, but I'm thinking she's got some things she might pull out sometime. But friends I hadn't seen over 20 years. We went to elementary, uh, middle, high school with them. We were able to visit some neighbors over the last few days, uh, knocking on doors. Taylor was like, what are you doing? I said, so-and-so used to live there. I'm gonna go see if they're still there. Cold knocks on doors. Some came to the door, Dana, and they were looking like head tilt, like what are you? who are you? Why are you at my door? So I'm like telling stories, and they finally realized who I was. Other neighbors, like the Taylors, I told my family, we went to their door, and they immediately said, Harris, how's Charlie? How's Reverend? How's Mom? How's Mike? How's... Others, same thing. Come on inside. Let me tell you some stories about your husband. <laughs> 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 and then I took them over to, I mentioned elementary school. We took a tour to high school which, parenthetically, let me mention last week. If you remember the story, I talked about how my dad showed up in my second-grade classroom. Y'all remember that? He couldn't do that today. Because when we walked in, it was like license plate, license, uh, everything. We couldn't get through the door. I said, where were you 30 years ago when pops came and, uh, (laughs) came to do some work. But they met my ninth-grade Spanish teacher. Um, of course, we got some New York pizza and some bagels. There were some doubters in the car, but now they understand. Uh, And then as we walked through elementary school, Sawmill Road School and Mepham High School, there was, I felt a lot of hope, right? I'm in this building, particularly at the elementary school. I'm looking on the faces of the kids and you just see a lot of hope. You feel a lot of hope. You look around and there's smiling faces and it reminded me of the hope as kids that we had, we had. And then as we shared stories, I'm kind of going in and out of some of the touring and the conversations with friends that we had in the living room of a friend that I grew up with in Starbucks and, of course, an Italian restaurant in the backyard at one point, we started also sharing some of those stories that attempted to snatch our hope along the way. Friends that we lost to everything, cancer and suicide and leukemia and ODing, and just going through all of that and saying, man, the things that could have snatched hope, yet and still we were sitting there about to approach 40, full of hope. What could have come and taken that did not. And I thought in a very weir- real sense, all of us are living life and there are things that come to our doorstep that if not careful can snatch the very hope that we say we build our lives upon. Our prayer today, our hope today is that we would embrace the hope that is worth having. And the two particular points that I want to highlight toward that end is praying God's word and making God's word our song. Praying God's word and making God's word our song. Some backdrop. Central to the whole 119th Psalm is the word Torah, a word that is often translated as law. It comes from the verb to teach or to instruct, It's the books Genesis through Deuteronomy. In Judaism, the Torah is huge. For us, it's the first five books of the larger canon. It's a celebration, Psalm 119 is, of the Torah. By far the largest chapter in Psalms or division of Psalms. 176 verses, 22 different sections that correspond to the 22 different letters in the Hebrew alphabet. Each section having, as we've read, eight verses This particular text, 49 through 56, is the seventh section, representing the seventh Hebrew letter, Zayin, whose meaning is connected to nourishment. And I thought, God, your word is meant to nourish, keep us healthy. Daily dose of your word is what I ask for. And these eight verses are called to God to continue by the psalmist, providing him with his sole source of comfort in the midst of his affliction. The latter part of verse 50 specifically says that your promise, your word, it gives me life. The original Hebrew was basically saying your word revives me, it it restores me, it, it keeps me healthy, it repairs me. How many know that to be true of God's word? How many have experienced the truth of God's word to nourish in ways that nothing else could? So the psalmist goes on, he goes on to talk about all the attempts of the arrogant and the wicked to undermine his commitment to God. Verse 53 says, hot indignation seizes him. I should say he's pretty frustrated and annoyed, which I know for none of us is never the case. We walk into class and the school and we're basking in the glow of our commitment to God and nothing could ever thwart it. But for some of us, there's some things that come along in life. Challenges, I like to say, that don't come with an appointment. They don't call me up and say, can I meet with you? They just come. And emotions sometimes get the going and anger is a part of it. And maybe if we're honest, we're like, Lord, I can't even see you because I'm just seeing red (laughs) right now. Watching the game last night, perhaps, if you were in the fourth quarter for a minute, you might have said, God, close your ears because I got some things to say (laughs) about these penalties that are happening to my Wahoos. For some of us, others, again, may not fall prey to those emotions. But as we shared some of those stories this weekend, I referenced how my mind, at least I thought, gosh, all of these things could have, perhaps should have thwarted hope. And I thought in those moments and now for you and for me and asking the question we're asking all month, who's next? Sometimes we're thinking, who's next? Who's next? I can't even think, I can't even wrap my brain around what faith I think I do or don't have. I can't barely think about who's next. I'm not even sure I want to hold on to that baton that we talked about last week myself. God, where's my hope? How many of us find ourselves in situations where the the faith that we profess is being genuinely tested? What we say we believe in, life comes at us fast, and we're like, do I really have the hope? In the case of the the psalmist, there were some arrogant individuals, had no faith. They were just mocking his ridiculing him, setting him up to be shamed, embarrassed, to forsake his commitment, thus forfeiting his entire testimony. And sometimes for us, arrogant individuals, yes, it could be the enemy. Lucifer's real. Satan is the real. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy. And yet, it can be the enemy, and sometimes it's the inner me, right? The voices that come and say, faith, what faith? Let me tell you about how faith has helped you, that legacy of alcoholism in your family. Talk to me about that sexual and physical abuse that you've had to endure. Talk to me about faith. What faith? What faith are you going to pass on to the next generation with all your jacked up dysfunction in your family? All you are passing down is dysfunction, your damaged goods. The inner me may say, Come at you in all kinds of ways to snatch the hope that all month we're talking about needs to be passed on. And as I prayed, I thought, Lord, how many of us are in positions where we don't even believe there's something to pass on from us because of how jacked up we are? And yes, we are. But we serve a God. Can I preempt the good news? <laughs> Who works all things together for good? He serves a God. Second Corinthians says that when we are born again, we are created new. Old things have passed away, and all things are new. And yet in the midst of challenge, in the midst of drama, in the midst of life's happening, we can fail to recognize the hope we have and the hope we have to pass on. Psalmist says in verse 51, even in the face of that, I do not turn from your word. I do not turn from your word. I'm going to go on. Verse 52 says, I remember your word, and in your word, I take comfort. In your word, I take comfort. In your word, your statutes, your promises, your word, they are my songs. Whatever the situation is, there is hope that is worth having. So to help us again practically toward that end, I want to encourage us firstly to pray God's word. Pray his word. One of the friends that we saw this weekend uh, didn't go to school with him. But he is my brother. He went to church with us. Went by Maurice's house, Nathan Maurice. We were in the Bronx after we left Long Island. We just hang out, hung out at the barbecue way late. Won't tell you what time we got in, but we just hang, we hung. And we went to church growing up in the, in the Bronx, uh, East Tremont Avenue and Washington Avenue. And we talked about a lot of things, but one of my reflections was on Friday night <laughs> and Sunday night. We would have testimony time. Where people would get up and they would share the goodness of Jesus in their life. We have a version of it here. It's at 9 30 on Sundays for all of the volunteers. But even if you're not, you can come because we share the goodness of Jesus to encourage one another. Because Revelation says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. And so I was thinking about that and I thought, you know, um, there were moments where I was encouraged, I was strengthened, I was built up as people got up and said, in the face of all of what was flying, bullets that might have been flying that week, uh, families that were breaking down, whatever the case, I'm here to say, God, you are good. And I remember the importance of sharing that. And though I remember every now and then there being a prayer request that would come about, y'all pray for me in Jesus' name in this way. And I was a kid, but I knew that ain't God. <laughs> That ain't Bible. I'm not praying for that. No, it's not happening. Y'all are laughing kind of quietly because you're thinking, I prayed some of those prayers, Paul. Watch it. (laughs) Right? Some of those prayers, we're like, it ain't got nothing to do with the Bible. It's everything that has to do with me. And yet, the encouragement today is to pray God's word. Whenever we hear a promise in the word of God, turn it into a prayer. Troy, the leader of our prayer team, every Monday night, they're praying and practicing how to pray according to the Word of God. Why? In part because of what I've just shared in our prayer, which is when we pray to His, according to His Word, when His Word goes out, it doesn't return void. He's faithful and just to accomplish that which is sent out. It's not because God has amnesia. He doesn't need us to remind Him of His Word. He knows What he said, when he said it, but rather it's more about the psalmist and you and me. More about us recalling his word and making his promises our portion and doing so with humility and boldness as we approach the throne of grace. Pray his word. Something fascinating to me, kind of as an aside, is the psalmist, while doing this, I realized you know what he had? He had the Torah. That was it. The suffering, the threats to the hope that he professed his life, he had the Torah. And on that word, on Genesis, for example, 18 and 14, which says nothing is too hard for the Lord. He had Exodus 33 and 14, which says that my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. He had Deuteronomy 7 and 9, which says that the Lord is God The faithful God keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his command. And yet he was not turning from that word, no matter what the mockers had to say. The good news for you and for me is, yes, we have the Torah, but we have the canon. We can flip to Romans where it says he works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. We can look to 1 John 1 and 9 who says, yes, you sin and we mess up every day. And he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, which I referenced, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. Anybody want to be made brand new? Brand new. Goes on to say, after the ridicule, after him getting hot with indignation, that God's statutes had been his songs in whatever situation he found himself in. And I thought immediately about all the kids, all the kids I've worked with in education and our own kids and how they can learn lyrics like nobody's business. to hundreds and hundreds of songs. And I'm like, yo, how do you do that? I spend time with them. Okay. I'm yelling them in the streets. Y'all know you pass them, right? You're like, dude, it's happy. He is just singing and dancing in the street. They're saying it out loud, the words of the song, meditating even on the song, listening to them over and over again. And so, secondly, what I would want to suggest to us as we continue to embrace the hope that is worth having is that we make God's word our song. In order for his statutes, his decrees to be the psalmist's songs, they must have been familiar. They give him some spiritual refreshing, some some sweetener, if you will, to the hardships in whatever situation he found himself in. So there has to be some intentionality around our getting familiar with God's word, being able to pray God's word, and to make his word our song in the midst of any situation, getting into his word every single day, getting into a victory group where you get to chew on that word with some other folks, And figure out how does this apply to me and my family and how I treat my spouse or my girlfriend or my husband or my whoever, my co-worker. Psalmist says in verse 55, I remember your name at night, O Lord. God, help us to remember your word so consistently that even in the midnight hour of our situations, if you haven't had one yet, keep living. Even in the midnight hour of our situations, this would be the song that rises up. Your name. I can remember your name. The psalmist remembers the name of the Lord. He stirred up to be obedient and to maintain hope. In essence, there must be, and it is written in all of our spirits. If I can flip a little bit out of the text to the Gospels in Matthew 4. Some of us had nodding. you might remember, some of us may not. After Jesus had fasted, the enemy came to him to tempt him. One of the first things he says, like, you can, your God, make some, turn these stones into bread. Because he knew the brother was hungry. The enemy will come at you at the very vulnerable place. That is your vulnerable place. Jesus said, it is written, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He said, if you're God, throw yourself down, save yourself. He said, it is written, don't tempt the Lord your God. Do not put your Lord God to the test. Worship the Lord your God, serve him only. And when we too wrestle with life's challenges, we've got to have that same, it is written. Don't have to be a Bible scholar per se, but we can work toward that to have an, it is written for every scenario that we might find ourselves grappling. I'm thinking about even what our city, certainly the nation has had to grapple with forever and, and is heightened in recent times. How do we Respond to the emotions, if you will. I had to respond to some emotions going back with these eyes to my old neighborhood and seeing some things that I don't think I saw as a kid. And I said, Oh my goodness. Where's the it is written, Lord? I need it. (laughs) It, It is written. We are the salt of the earth, Matthew 5 says. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine so that others may see your good works and give glory to the Father in heaven. When the doctor gives the diagnosis, how can we, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, it not be anxious? For anything but in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving present all of our requests to the Lord. When the money's funny, as they used to say when I was growing up. Philippians 4, 19 says, And my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. When our marriages come up against some spiritual wickedness, it's written, Mark 10 and 9. Therefore, what God has brought together, let no man separate. When overwhelmed by life's circumstances, it is written, First Peter 5 and 7 says, as well as in the Psalms, cast your cares on the Lord. Why? Because he cares for you. It is written one, in Psalm 147 and 3, it says, He heals the brokenhearted, he binds up their wounds. Isaiah 40 and 31, it is written, Those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run, they'll not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. It is written in Isaiah 51 and 11. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you go through, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, they will not scathe you, nor will the flame overtake you. It is written in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outer man is decaying, our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look at what can be seen but not what cannot be seen for what can be seen is temporary but what cannot be seen is eternal it's written in Galatians 6 and 9 that we are not to get weary in well-doing for we are going to reap a harvest 2nd Corinthians 4 8 and 9 we're afflicted in every way but we're not crushed we're perplexed but not despairing persecuted but not cast down struck down but we are never destroyed it is written in John 14 and 12 Verily, very truly I tell you Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. It doesn't matter how different or crazy we might think the next generation is because we were just as crazy. No matter how jacked up we are, God can use us to bring glory to his name. And what God says we can count on, we can hope in, His word inspires hope. It was hope that got up from the grave after dying. It was hope that then said, I'm going to the Father to live at the right hand, but I'm going to send you a comforter so that in the midst you can have hope. If I've not come on your road yet with all of the it is written and the examples we presented, know that God sees you. And he says, my hope is bigger. There's something for you to do in my name, in this earth, In this season, let's pray. Lord, we thank you.